Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. Please help by subscribing and check out footballpurist.com. Well, hello. Reds around the world saw for the first time since 08 Liverpool return to the semifinals of Champions League. Wow. We overcame an intense first half, absorbed City's energy slash dominance, really, for the most part. And we got the away goal that everyone had been hoping for in the 56 minute, which took City's atmosphere from the one dude beating a drum by himself in total silence to just deafening silence. And of course, Bobby in the 70th minute completely shut off all power to the Etihad. So Reds threw 2-1 on the day, 5-1 in aggregate. And I'm going to say it because we're all thinking it. Holy fucking shit. Like, just wow. So with that, welcome back to another episode of the Talk On Podcast. I am your super excited host, Jeff Hallett. And alongside me for the fun of talking through this great match and the set, I've got Jimmy Tori Hone. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, it's so good to be in the Jeff Hallett Newport studio. <laughs> Second guest, I think, after Anthony. So uh, pretty cool. Yeah, the weather just a tad better than our English friends. Just just a skosh. It's warm here. Right. And then talk on's prodigal son from the last, the first leg, really, Paul, Mr. Paul Bickler. How you doing, Paul? What's up, guys? Uh, we've got some much shittier weather on this side of the country. Very much like England, cold, rainy. Um, but everything's all sunshine for me. Yeah, it's very Kurt Cobain. We appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> so before getting into the candy that is this match, uh, why don't we open up with a question? Because I've always loved this. In his post-game presser, Pep blamed the refs as the reason for his team's loss. You, we can all have a good laugh watching his post-game press, presser, and I think you should. But since excuses are good enough for the best manager in the world... It must be good for the two of you. So if you could, give me your best excuse you've ever offered for a bad result. And you could pick anything from dog ate my homework to baby ain't mine to, uh, of course, Harry Kane's, that was my goal. Jimmy, why don't we start with you? You know what? Before uh, I get to my response, Jeff, I think it's a very fair argument from Pep to do, deflect everything off of his players. You know what? LFC have used this excuse many, many times before as I have. So fair argument, Jeff. Fair argument. Uh, my best response, though, is I think this is dumb. Not your opening question. That's just my answer to everything. This is dumb. That's why I didn't do it. You saw Klopp's postgame from Europe League Final? I did not see Klopp's post game. Should watch it. It's okay, a little, little different. I'll, I'll I'll probably do that. <laughs> yeah, but as a supporter, I've definitely used the ref many many times before. Blame the refs. Yep. So Paul, I'm sure you've got something to top Jimmy. So what is it? <laughs> I don't. Oh God, dude, this is such a loaded question because I didn't know what direction. You know, like I don't know for what direction we're originally going in with the question with the, the political climate here and the fact that I have three boys under eight. I didn't know if this was going to get. <laughs> immensely personal for me or what but, it should uh, it's whatever you want gosh dude um i guess in terms of straight up football and in terms of liverpool football um 
I am ridiculously superstitious about uh, the kits. And so, like, you know, I guess I've, mm. I, I've, I've felt very strongly that we've won and lost games, depending on the shirt that this one supporter myself out of thousands and thousands in the entire world is currently wearing. So um, I guess that's probably the dumbest thing I've ever blamed a loss on. So no neon kits in that closet anymore. The neon no. green. Yeah. No. That's all orange. All of them are orange. Yeah. Right? Like 50 orange ones. Halloween year round. He misses uh, Orange County. So obviously. Tra- traffic cones. Yeah. <laughs> it's a double entendre. So I say. Um, <laughs> so this okay. is off the rails really early. Yeah. On. Yeah. I mean, it, that, that's what happens when we are through to the semis. We really don't know how to act. Like, okay. Pretend like we've been here before. It's true. Because we have. I've been drinking for four and a half hours already. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Painters, I think on seven hours. But, that, uh, that's a normal Tuesday. And then on top of that, the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, okay. We've got to move into the match because, I mean, that's what we're here for. Uh, the Reds came out stout, stout enough in the first half, short of Van Dyke's mistake, of course, absorbing City's dominance which had most of us worried, Paul and I going back and forth on it, in fact. But as the, they had done in the first leg, they maintained composure, defended supremely well through the full 90, especially in the second half. Paul, what were some of your first thoughts? I mean, like, well, like we talked about earlier, I initially going into the match was pretty confident. Um, <clears throat> that, listed, that lasted for like a full 90 seconds. Yep. <laughs> Literally. Um, I think my first initial thought is, are we mentally tough enough? I mean, we've seen this team plenty of times uh, with this back against the wall, uh, conceding goal after crucial goal in big games uh, when we were well ahead and in hand. So that was my main thing is the setup that city came out with, like took everybody a little bit back by surprise. I think a lot of people, like I was laughing at the Twitter reactions because all the city fans were like, what the fuck are we playing? What is this? Like, what is the, is this a two one seven? What is this? Um, so, uh, my initial uh, concern was, are we mentally tough enough and can we physically handle wave after wave of city attack? Uh, if, because I mean, let's face it, 20 minutes in, it was 20 minutes of straight pressure. Um, so, um, yeah, that was kind of my initial reaction. Totally well-founded, as we know, because uh, you expected City to come out, especially the first half, as they did versus United at the weekend, and us. I mean, you, you had to expect that. But, Jimmy, then came the mistake by Van Dyke. How did you see that one go down? Uh, the mistake by Van Dyke? I, you know, normally you would you would want that to be called as a foul, but I was personally happy that it wasn't. I just there was something about Sterling finally getting a little uh, a little something out of out of all of his appearances against Liverpool to see him kind of like run around and be happy about it. I'm like, we're gonna crush him. So I was okay with that. Um, I thought it was I was happy they didn't call that foul. But my initial reactions, though, kind of like uh, Polly here, was um, I thought about everyone in the Slack channel disparaging Fernandinho for calling Liverpool a long ball team. And the first half, that's all it was. It was fucking long ball after long ball because there was nobody in the midfield to help link the defense to the attack. So I was very frustrated during the first half. I was very nervous. I was not confident like Paul was at the beginning of the game. I was like literally uh, squeaky bum time the entire time I was... (laughs) sitting watching this first half on my phone i just my stomach was all in tight knots so um definitely definitely scared the entire time uh that 3-0 did not seem like a big lead especially after those first 90 seconds well i mean it took all of two minutes for at least one of those three goals the advantage to go away and to 
set the record perfectly straight. Paul and I were shitting ourselves. So yeah, yeah there's I, that. I, all of us were. Would you, but, I did. But, I, I think I did actually poo at work. <laughs> <laughs> At halftime. <laughs> had to check your pants? Like, well, what's going well, on here? Well, no, the, the, the thing was that I said at halftime on the Slack channel was... Um, I this feeling of nerves. I hate it, but I love it as well because it means this game matters. So I, it's an uncomfortable feeling, but it's also the right feeling to have because I'd rather have this feeling than just be completely at ease because Liverpool aren't in the Champions League semifinals. So, and and to finish the feedback because I know we all want to say it. I mean, <laughs> in my Liverpool following the team, this is one of my best moments today. What happened? So. Like for all of the energy, for all of the development and the energy expended in the first half, oh my god! <laughs> oh, the relief is great. The, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. Afterwards, it's totally worth it. You know, the difference between the the uh, atmosphere at Anfield and the atmosphere at, at the Etihad. At Anfield, I felt as though the supporters were there cheering Liverpool on, and I felt as though at the Etihad they spent the entire first half when they were alive just disparaging Liverpool every time they touched the ball. Such a difference. I didn't feel as though the Man City supporters did anything to help their team out. Rather, they spent all their time trying to bring down Liverpool, which isn't that's counterproductive in my opinion. So, how do you boot James Milner? I mean, are you kidding me? Right. How ridiculous every time he touched the ball, yeah. Yeah, and what did the, what does that do for Man City He's players? Literally, like the nicest dude in the world, played every single position imaginable for City, did well, won titles, and they're sitting there. It's crazy to me. Was it his choice to leave? How about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he, he was, was on, he, he was a free agent. He he was out of contract. If they wanted him, would he still be a player? Well, he decided to go to Liverpool, and yeah, but either way, like he. He completed his contract and he decided to leave on good terms, in my opinion. You're right. It's it's ridiculous. It's That's why I said what I said, right? It's like there was the difference between the atmospheres. They were really loud. Both of them were really loud. Of course, Man City, just like, their their atmosphere died. But the difference between those two, um, what was the argument before the first leg was everyone saying, oh, the atmosphere is not going to help Liverpool, right? Only 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 Anfield knew that it would help, but... But what they were doing is they weren't trying to bring down the other players or scare them as much as lifting their own team, Liverpool, right? And that's what that's what the Etihad didn't do. That's why it didn't help them out at all. It was I, I was in shock the entire time. I'm like, what are you doing? You're not helping out Man City players at all. Completely fair statement, and you know it proves the point. You can't buy atmosphere like that can't be purchased. And we complain about Anfieldism, you know anything what it used to be, but you know the tough days the Rodgers years probably sucked the life out but did not did not they had a really good run 13-14 Jeff as much as you hate Brendan Rodgers I'm not going to let you get away with that I'm just talking about 14-15 15-16 well there's a difference <laughs> never 13-14 13-14 was a nice out. time yeah um so why don't we spend a second on speaking of the Etihad and their atmosphere lack thereof how about how Pep set up you know spend a second on the opposition so Pep shifted from a back four to a three Paul removing company adding Bernardo Silva in the midfield flood that midfield that one you know what is it three seven one or whatever it was um <laughs> kept Jesus on with Aguero obviously not not fit fully fit yet what did you make of that I remember seeing the lineup and it's just like the most insane attacking lineup you could ever imagine right and then I, I was like, so I, I knew immediately it was a back three, but there was something like vaguely familiar to this lineup to me. And then I realized that the last time I saw this lineup was the same time that Bark 
Barca, Barca, um, when Pep was there, dug himself out of another hole. And it's this damn three-three-four thing that he throws out occasionally um, when he's when he's a little bit desperate. Um, it's a crazy formation, um, but it's it's super effective in doing exactly what it did in the first half because essentially you have a three-three-four setup. Um, you've got um, Silva. Um, and you've got essentially, uh, you, you know, the, the Bruyne kind of tucked in behind here as almost attacking central midfielders. Uh, Fernandinho, when they have the ball, turns into a, a third midfielder um, pressing up. And then you've got a front four, right? What they did really good is Sané uh, and essentially Bernardo, what they did is they went as wide as they possibly could. Um, and then they sunk in with uh, Gabriel and Sterling and essentially attacked the half spaces with pace. Um, and it really, it really sort of um, took the wind out of what Liverpool did very good in the oh, very well in the first leg, which was uh, kind of hunt and packs um, and pressure the ball. They weren't able to do that because they were spread out so far um, off the wings. And it's a pretty cool formation, uh, you know, in a desperate time. The the, the sort of uh, the sort of caveat to that, and really the the thing that you got to watch out for, and what really caught him is obviously they're prone, um, essentially to if you can get numbers on a counter to that. Um, that was the way we were always going to play anyway. Um, essentially, what really killed us in the first half is uh, Jimmy alluded and, and said that we had a disconnect in midfield. That's because we're accounting for essentially seven players in our own box, which doesn't when we we suck that in, we've essentially got nine defenders um, tucked in under, and we've only got, you know, Salah up top. Uh, Firmino, of course, out on the wing. And it really doesn't allow us to have any link on a counter other than a long ball. So um, that's really sort of how that really dynamically broke down our first half defense in a way that really sort of eh, made us poo ourselves, I guess. Yeah. And Otamendi got the starting assignment despite, you know, letting three go by him in the first leg and, you know, getting penalized the weekend via via United. Jimmy, what did you think? Uh, Should Otamendi have stated in in the central role, continue to push Laporte out left? Or would you have been hoping for a little bit more of Laporte playing his natural position? Well, I mean, I'm not a Man City supporter, so I didn't hope for anything on their side, to be fair. But um, obviously, the first 20 minutes, the first 45 minutes definitely worked for Man City. Uh, I guess my question more, and if you mind, I direct this to Paul. Paul, do you think that Liverpool always planned on sitting back a little bit in 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 playing a more reserved first forty five minutes because they knew an onslaught was going to be coming from Man City. No, and I say that just based off a, a, a brash assumption of knowing Klopp's personality. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that this is a team that's capable of doing that. And I think Klopp, if you were to ask him a point blank, uh, you know where the value. Uh, in the setup was is whether it was sitting back or going after an away goal. I think he would tell you every time it's an away goal. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree. So my main complaint at halftime was the fact that I felt as though Genie wasn't taking the opportunity um, that he that was presented in front of him to actually be in the starting lineup for for such an important match. Of course, albeit because Henderson was was suspended because John is not fit enough to be playing, and so that was my main complaint. I, I felt as though Ox. Um, he's more uh, of an attacking midfielder. I felt like Milner was running all over the place just trying to keep some sort of calm in that midfield, and I felt as though it was uh, Genie's job to actually do something to help link up the defense to the attack, right? Yeah, well, we'll get into Genie a little bit. Okay. Um, it, 
Sorry I guess about that. I, no, I didn't want to no, jump. You're completely fine. It's jump ahead, jump behind. We won. So who cares? <laughs> Seriously. Uh, the only other question I had, and this has been kind of bandied around the press, I'm kind of interested in your thoughts. So they keep talking about the difference in history, Liverpool's history versus the lack thereof with City. I, I, I think that's a great question, Jeff. Well, and I mean, it's it, City's got the money. They've got the players. They've got the coach that has done it before. And obviously, Pep's well-regarded, best manager in the world, whatever your impression of him is. Did that play a role in this? So actually, on my way over here, I was listening to another pod uh, where they talked about the the difference between histories, right? So Klopp has history, right? He has a lot of experience in Europe, but you know, with managing Dortmund, Pep has experience managing in three different leagues now in Europe. He's got players who've played in Europe, and Liverpool probably doesn't have too many players who have even. I mean, he got no players, I don't think, that have gotten to this stage where they're at now in Europe. So. The, the way this pod was kind of uh, comparing it was saying, so Liverpool has a chip on their shoulder. They have no fear. Um, flip that around, Man City got knocked out again in the same position, I believe, last season. If not, was it the round of 16 or the quarterfinals? Whatever it was, but they got knocked out. So maybe they have something to fear. They just came off two devastating losses, especially this past weekend. Um, I think... I don't I think the experience really that really mattered in my opinion was and I go back to the supporters and the atmospheres at the grounds. I think that the that the experience and the atmosphere at Anfield really helped push Liverpool versus Man City and their supporters which did not. So yep. I, I, I th- for me that's the way I see it. Yeah, and I Klopp in his post-game presser his pre-game presser too talked about the history's great but it's like having a grandfather that was really special or you know had something to add you have to add you have to make your own moment right exactly uh paul are you with Klopp that you know history is fine but it's all about making your moment or do you, th- you with jimmy that it's like all of these elements swirl together yeah i mean i guess i'd probably try to agree with you more on the latter um i mean you know the sort the the, the classic sort of uh, banter and, and, and characterization and, and, and the fun that ingest that's made at the Liverpool supporters' expense, as is that we are, we have our head in the clouds, that we are living in the past 25 years before Prem League. Um, that's where, and we always think that, you know, next year's our year, right? So, I mean, I think that's kind of the joke, right? Um, I think what's really interesting is that th- this team is writing its own history in a very unique way. Um, behind a city that still has the same fabric that it's always had, that kind of blue-collar work ethic where um, families have come up and been born into this for hundreds of years. Um, I think this is sort of the – it just feels right to me um, in terms of the history side. I mean, I think the culture is just very different between the clubs, right? I mean, City has just recently had had success uh, by an influx of money. Um, And I think Liverpool – always been a big club, uh, but may not necessarily have had the financial advantages of a lot of these clubs coming in recently, um, have had to build it a different way. But at the, at the same time, I think it's a much more Liverpool way, the way it's been built, um, which I love. Um, I think this is a team, a fabric team that's come together from bits and pieces in, in really unique ways. Um, it feels just very much different from a city team that spent 300 million plus pounds bringing in uh, fullbacks. Um, it's just, it's just a very, very different feel um, that I think suits the history of the club um, that will always be there. But yeah, I think this is, um, this is about now. I think it's less about, you know, what we were, what we have been um, obviously has 
fantastic moments of the club, but I feel like this team is on the verge of writing uh, a really special chapter. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, very fair uh, in terms of the U S ownership coming from the ilks of Moneyball, you know, having success in the major leagues by being contrarian. They brought some of that to Liverpool and how they manage the team. And they, finally found a manager that can live with that and thrive in that model. So that's, that's Klopp. And to their credit, it's paying off because you've got that manager that can execute it. So why don't we get into the really fun part, which is to look at the individual performances. Uh, so kind of going back and forth between the two of you, starting with Carius, uh, tough to find Carius putting a foot wrong in either of the first or second leg. And, and given the result, especially how did you see it, Jimmy? No, oh, I think I think you're absolutely correct. the 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 first goal the Man City had was such a well executed, um, you know, play between the, the the three players. The touching, the the one two touches that they did was just absolutely fantastic. And he was still very close to 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 getting the foot on that. So I and then balls in the air, punching. I, now, of course, the punch that will I'm sure we'll get to that disallowed goal. Uh, shades of Mignolet, but. I mean, compared to uh, compared to uh, no real mistakes, one goal, a very well crafted goal. Besides that, you know, you go 180 minutes and, and you only concede once to Man City and and their attacking prowess for that that we've seen for the for this past season. Fantastic job! I, he instills confidence in the back as well. I mean, you could see that he has a good connection with his center backs, and then um, you know it, it just worked out well. I, I I think he did fantastic job. Obviously, per the result. Yeah, and we, we've got to bring up the controversy because, of course, everybody's talking about it. The the ball, the punch that went to Milner, and God God love Stuart Holden, that's his name. If, if you're in the U.S., you have the unfortunate uh, experience having to watch Champions League on Fox and some of the dumbest commentators you've ever heard try to talk about the game. Poor Stewie wouldn't give up that 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 moment. Like, it was unfair... Milner was making some gesture. It was a goal, Jeff. It was a goal. You're saying it was a goal? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it, came, it came off a Liverpool player. But he was offside. Exactly, Jeff. That's where you need to understand the rule. The fact that a Liverpool player pushed the ball forward, whether deflection, whether intentional or not, it's still onside because of that. It's a goal. Paul, you know, it was called offsides. What gives? Yeah, I think the sort of gray area in that rule is that it's defined by having a player making a football move, okay? So I don't know if what Miller did is considered a football move or it was more of a deflection. Um, That is where you kind of get into the finite details of this thing. Here, listen, dude, today was a day that everything was righted in my eyes. If we're on the right side of that, I'm great. I I agree with Jimmy. I agree with Jimmy. I agree with Jimmy. I think it was probably, I mean, I think it was a goal um, that should have stood. But I mean, when I look at this, I look at the non-call offsides with when we were ironically had Sterling going against City that could have really played a hand in us winning an actual Premier League title. Mm-hmm. I look at the call versus Tottenham this year that was almost identical to that situation oh my God. Uh, that went against us. Yep. I mean, was also this cool. was a day that righted all those wrongs and I was fine with being on the wrong side of that technically. <laughs> Absolutely. I, Paul, no disagreements here. Liverpool got all the rub of the green today. And you know what? How often have I felt as though Liverpool did not get the rub of the green? I'm going to take this all day, but I will also admit what I think what it was. So 
Um, but definitely, I'm not going to be here and be like, I wish that was a goal. I'm over yeah. here like with like Paul. I'm like, hey, it went it went incorrectly in our way, in my opinion, and I'm very happy because Liverpool is in the semis and not sitting at home with Man City. Yeah, too bad, Paul. You you couldn't see, and our listeners couldn't see Jimmy and I kind of flipping each other off back and forth on that. That was, I think, was worth, comical. worth it for its own sake. Yeah. But yeah, I'll take it. I, I was there for the Spurs match and all of those calls. So yeah, if anybody's earned it, it's me. So, <laughs> so not the team, not Klopp. Yeah, right. It's all about Jeff. Jeff. Yep. Um, <laughs> with that, let's uh, get into the left and right backs. It's so much greatness to talk about there. So Trent seemed to really learn a lesson as the season has progressed. You could argue versus Zaha, he was exposed once. But in both of these ties, it seems like he's learned a lesson in, you know, not letting Sané burn him down the left flank and, you know, making his defense just as good as his threat going forward. Paul, what did you make of it? I love Trent Arnold, don't get me wrong. I still thought he looked really vulnerable today. Um, and that's mainly because City just spread us out and isolated him on, yeah. the, on the wing. They knew that they could take advantage of him one-on-one. So, I mean, I still think he was extremely vulnerable, especially in the first half. Obviously, that improved as we gained more possession in better areas in the second half. Dude, he's a 19-year-old midfielder playing right back. I yep. mean, I don't. I, you can't really ask a whole lot more of him. Um, I like his attitude more than anything he doesn't seem to necessarily get real down on himself when he does get um when sonny did get the better of him on several occasions um i mean i think that uh and that probably has to do a lot with the support behind him i think he's he's got a really good mix of veteran players behind him um that that have coached him into this as they've gone along very nicely I, I, I figured we wouldn't see this, but I wondered if we were going to see Nate Klein in some role here um, because he is so much better defensively. Um, but, I mean, I can't ask any more of the kid. I think he's put his heart into it. I still do think he's a – I still think that he's vulnerable back there uh, when isolated as City did. Um, yeah. Well, anybody, right, is going to be vulnerable when you have not only Sonic, because especially after the first leg, I think Man City realized that you just can't have Sonic one-on-one. So many times that uh, Trent do a fantastic job defensively in those situations. But you're right. Everyone looked vulnerable, though, and especially in that first half. Everyone did. It wasn't just Trent. And I mean, I was so frustrated when I'd see Robertson clear the ball and it would always just get to another Man City player that was across the, you know, half the pitch and halfway through the pitch. And I was upset about that. But again, at that point, that's all Liverpool could do was it didn't matter to me that I saw long ball after long ball from our fullbacks because it meant that they were trying to clear it, even though it just it's restarted another attack for Man City. But again, only one goal was scored in that first half. And that was key. I mean, that's in the end, that's what you have to stick by. I feel it's just growing pains for for everyone involved. I mean, we, we did not expect to see a Lovren-esque mistake from Van Dyke in, in the first two minutes, and, and it happened, but we survived and moved on, and they're going to learn from it. Um, it it's, it's all positive for me. Yeah, it's, kid's 19, and he leaked exactly zero goals. It was to the exactly. Van, Van Dyke mistake, and we'll get to that in a second. It, why don't we talk about Robertson for a second? Uh, Paul... <laughs> What did you see out of him? I mean, he is just a machine going forward mm, forward and back. Right. It looked like Klopp was not having him do the pursuit of Ederson or whomever uh, down to the bus stop. <laughs> he was like <laughs> right. supposed to stop at the penalty area. What did you see? 
I mean, I think a lot of times the lines got blurred today with what was basically a scramble and scatter to get a ball out of the box and an actual yeah. pass, yeah. which was a little yeah. bit scary at times and that left a lot to be desired. I think um, that is the one thing I will say today is he, he was not as typically accurate on his sort of possession as he normally is. Uh, but the one thing that really stood out to me is there are times in the box when he was clearing multiple balls within seconds of each other, yep. um, literally. Um, and I kept thinking – Alberto at his best, at his best this year, <laughs> at his absolute best. And he did play great. I mean, he played great for a while before he got injured. What would that look like? I mean, nope. I was just like, dude, that would be that would be an absolute nightmare. Alberto doesn't have the physicality to play in a match like that. Um, he has the pace, but he doesn't have the ability to really get into a box, a box and dig in. That's not his game. And I thought, Sometimes, I mean, you need some, some sort of a, a, a sort of a bulkier, bigger left back that can hold it down and really uh, dig in when needed. And I thought that's what he did well today. Yeah, I, I noticed, if I want to say it was like in the 70th minute, it was after Salah's goal. Sané getting the ball out of the back and, and trying to press it forward. Robertson on him, it was like they were doing mirror movements, breakdancing. It was like Sané goes left, Robertson perfect in, in his body rhythm, left and then right. Just such a great demonstration of how great he defends in addition to going forward and crossing. Yeah, I, I remember when we first started seeing Robertson, I actually wasn't here um, uh, doing a pod with you, Jeff. And I remember stating that he looked fantastic, but I didn't know if he was going to be uh, first class, uh, sorry, first team quality at that point. Of course, our sample size was, I think, like a match and a half because uh, Marina was was injured, so he he came on for the, for the latter portion of that match. But I've been pre- pleasantly surprised to see Robertson develop the way he has. And and today, just like Paul said, time after time after time, I think he had the reflexes of a goalkeeper at times, where it just seems as though the, the, he was there every single moment he needed to be there to clear a ball multiple times in a row whatever it was he, he got it out there and it wasn't in the back of the net so yep and he was yet another injury concern going into this match and mm. you saw how he performed as a result pretty incredible so why don't we get on to the center halves uh, and of course the one to talk about here is unfortunately van dyke with the mistake in the second minute paul he he, he just got beat sitting there waiting for a foul uh, obviously a big mistake that cost us. He hung his uh, partner Loverin out to dry. What were you hoping yeah. for there? I don't know. I, I think so. being a center half or a center back is such a tough position. Uh, I mean, if you play great, it goes relatively unnoticed most of the time. And if you play shit, everybody notices it. Right. Yep. So, um, I mean, you could be the best center back in the world. And I think you're going to have, uh, sometimes you're going to have errors like that. Obviously in a match like this within the first five minutes, it's so critical. Like, I mean, when you come up in youth, uh, footy, they tell you the first 15 minutes of every half is the most important of the, of the, of the game. And, you know, obviously that, that bore fruit today. Um, so I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't see it much either way. I don't make much of anything of that. I mean, I think it happens. I I don't really feel strongly one way or the other. Um, I, to, to the center backs, I'd speak in tandem. I feel like as much pressure as they were under, um, in the first half, um, what I really noticed is that in the first half when we were under fire, 
they were getting drug all over the place in terms of positioning. Um, they were taking Lovren out to the right wing to basically try to cover for Trent Arnold. Van Dyke was getting moved up to try to shut down De Bruyne sometimes. They were just getting pulled all over the place. In the second half, they were much more composed. They kept their shape better. When they keep their shape, that is when they're very, very good uh, in co- being compact and um, clearing balls out because um, Lovren and Van Dyke, their second half, won everything in the air. Won everything in the air uh, and kept everything on the floor in front of them. Yeah, never never once with uh, Matip going down with the injury for the rest of the season did I think Lovren would show like this in the first leg. Of course you I, did. I, I, right, exactly. I, got, you know, I thought he'd get killed. He didn't. But Jimmy, like he didn't again, didn't make a mistake. No Lovren error that led to a goal or led to anything. He was pretty clean. I have no love for Lovren whatsoever, uh, but I could recognize when he has a fantastic match, which was today. Um, first first leg as well, <laughs> obviously clean sheet. Um, I don't I don't slaughter uh, Van Dyke for his mistake. It was one mistake. Uh, he was looking for foul. I think they were trying to slow things down with the atmosphere the way that it was at the beginning of that match, obviously in the first couple of minutes. Um, and unfortunate mistake. But after that, I mean, it, the, the character and, and what you see of these of these two uh, center backs is the fact that they didn't leak another goal. It, it did not break down Van Dyke in a way that we've seen. Uh, in, I'm sorry to say this, but for example, Lovren, how he's had multiple mistakes, a relatively small window of time. Van Dyke made a mistake. He recognized it. I think he forgot it. Quick, uh, you know, small. Uh, what is that? Short-term memory. And then you just continue on playing. They didn't. They didn't score another goal. So, yeah. And, and testament to them. Yeah, and you're right on that point. Uh, with going down one nil within two minutes how the team responded, I think was the really real story of the game, yeah. real story of the tie. Really. It was a frustrating way for them to get through the rest of the half, but they got through it. It was, yeah. <laughs> but it was a very nerve wracking way to do it. Yep. I'm going to pick out, let's, let's move a little further up the park if we can. Genie. So this is the controversial subject. I think well, I don't uh, know if it's controversial. I, mean, it's just, I happen to think he had an incredible game filling in at the six. I, I thought he was fine at the weekend and I thought he just took it up a level versus city. Paul, I, I don't know how you came down on Wijnaldum. Was he a good fill in for Henderson slash yeah, John? For, for me, he was God, dude. Talk about a Klopp's a fucking madman. I mean, he's playing a teenager midfield right back and you got Winalda who's an attacking mid in, mm-hmm. in the holding mid role. Um, I think he did fine. I think he was a mixed bag. I can see where Jimmy's coming from in certain aspects, but I think he did more good than bad. Um, the only problems that I really had with Winaldum is that sometimes, and this is what's really difficult about that three, three, four, like, um, formation is he got sunk too far in so he was sitting in the box trying to clear stuff um and that's really scary for an attacking midfielder to be responsible for clearing balls off lines and stuff um that's where he really struggled and that's where we missed the link in the midfield um you know obviously in the second half the game changed a bit i thought he did fairly well at connecting the midfield at that point i thought he did pretty well at recycling possession um once we got our feet under us um but yeah like for me there's more good than bad and well, obviously, here comes Jimmy. Well, I mean, there's more good than bad because uh, besides the one goal, I mean, Liverpool went through. They they fought through that first half. But I, what I, I had already mentioned earlier and what Paul just said, in his opinion, was that Genie, it's, it's something scary to be in your own box trying to clear balls. And so what I thought was that he didn't take that moment. And again, Genie hasn't been starting. 
He has not been a regular starter for a very long time this season. And so he's not in the same rhythm. Uh, this past weekend was probably the first time. If I'm if I'm not correct, uh, please let me know. But I think it was the first time he did experiment in that midfield as a holding uh, midfielder. I'm sorry. So it's just, you know, it's not his place to be. Uh, he's not going to be comfortable with it. And you're facing arguably um, be- behind Liverpool, one of the best attacking teams in 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 all of europe and he has to find himself in this position in that atmosphere i that's why i was frustrated with him i there was nobody as as i mentioned earlier link from defense to attack in that first half that they dug in they cleared it out and we we moved on to the second half which i think and we might get into it we might not not get into it but when pep lost his head his team lost their head they come out of that half i I was thinking you know you're you're devastated you got a, a disallowed goal your manager is sent to the stands um ederson lost his head earlier in the match too when when Mane was very lucky to not get a red for that uh it's just i i think that's what helped out and obviously liverpool came out more attacking in, in the second half so it, it just changed completely that halftime was just all those incidents leading up to the end of that half the fact that the half ended on like 45-01 too like that was left everyone frustrated it was just that's like it's like it was like a title fight it's like when you've got somebody up against the ropes yep. and they're just ducking the punches waiting for the bell that's what i felt like we were doing exactly and and you know it just built up three and in, in, in the worst week for pep and man city ever and it just cultivated into that last 5 minutes of that first half so, I mean, obviously, though, when you come out in the second half, Genie did fantastic. Getting into the attacking midfield. So we let's start with Ox, because Ox has been an Ox in both the first and second leg of this. I, I thought he was a champion. Box to box, didn't matter if he was on offense or defense. He was clearing balls. He was creating opportunities. I mean, Paul, you, you had to love what you saw. Yeah, I mean, I think I think for large portions of the game, he was out of it, especially in the first half, because I think yeah. very much like the rest of that entire uh, team, they were pushed into our opposing or our own box, really clearing ball and trying to get things out of there. Um, obviously, the second half opened up a little bit more. He had that really awesome, like sort of almost like slalowing run where he went in, placed a nice one-two with Salah, a difficult angle, tried to get in. Um, but I mean, that's what he brings, right? He brings a load of, he's, he brings a lot of quality and a lot of pace. Um, I think what Klopp likes about him is that he's pretty interchangeable. Um, I know that one of the main things that Ox wanted was the ability to not have to play wide and to play central. <laughs> yeah. He's been getting that right. So aside from just getting positional preference, this has got to be an awesome move for him. I mean, coming from an Arsenal team, that's basically a sinking ship um, to an attacking side like this, where he's getting to play minutes in a, in a position that he wants to play in. Um, I think you're seeing that. I, I love the, I love the, like the spirit in which he plays. I mean, he looks like he looks like a kid that genuinely enjoys being out there. Um, he looks like somebody that you'd want to be uh, a teammate with. Um, yeah, I think he played well. I mean, like I said, I think it was, it was sort of a mixed bag. I don't think you saw a whole lot of him outside of a couple really nice runs that he made. Um, but the but he brings that. He brings that pace and that quality. Um, you know, and I think that he's only going to grow. Um, he's still young, man. He's got really. He's got a potential to be a big part of this team in the future. I think when we bought him. We thought that this was going to be somebody that provided depth that wide occasion. And I think what we're finding is 
with Emery Chan maybe on the out, with Wijnaldum, you know, not necessarily getting a whole lot of time, with some of the injury issues we've had between Henderson and Lallana, I think that Ox is going to provide us with a really, really different solution that we might have not seen ahead of time, or at least I didn't. Uh, maybe Klopp did, but I, 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 that's what strikes me with him. Yeah. yeah, and he's playing himself into the England squad for the World Cup. I'm like, literally as a starting 11. What was it after the first leg against Man City? People were crying out for a Henderson-Milner-Ox midfield, which, you know, Milner is retired already, and I don't think that would be a good midfield for England. But the fact that he, he his name is on, on everyone's lips when it comes to the national team, that's the opportunity Ox wanted. Milner, you got to love, Jimmy, that he was doing this to his old team. And in my view, a team that didn't want him, he was closing them off at home. You know, the composure he's brought, the assists that he leads Champions League with of all these major clubs. I mean, wow. (laughs) I wasn't expecting... When we first brought him over, I wasn't expecting any of this. And especially on the back of last year. (laughs) Best left left back in the world. Left back with the right footed crosses of... (laughs) Joey's still like shaking his fist to the sky, but I mean, in these two especially, this is the seniority provides. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not Milner's biggest fan when when it comes to him being in the midfield. He didn't start the season in the midfield. He didn't start the season at all, if I remember correctly. He wasn't really on the team sheet um, as a starter, but um, he's proved his worth. He's done well in the Champions League. He he's providing depth right now when the midfield is injured or and or missing for whatever reason. Um, it's just like last season when he was best left back in the world. And I'm like, what are you going to do with Milner? You're putting him out as a left back. That doesn't make any sense. And he took upon it. Uh, he made it his own. He was solid. Now he's doing that with the midfield again. But how many lives is this guy going to have, though? Like, honestly, like, is he still going to be here next season as a midfield? I, I really hope not. But I'm going to let's take it all for what it's worth as, as he's in the midfield right now. Yep. You so, wouldn't want Milner back next year? I don't think I want Milner back next year. I mean, what you have, who do you have coming in? You have uh, Kata coming in. You have, um, you know, Ox is going to be there. Who I'm sure there's going to be some sort of, and, and I'm not up to speed with all the transfer rumors, Paul. So please, um, additional, add in your, your information here. But I, I don't think I'd want Milner in that many. Uh, I'd keep him in the, I'd keep him in my squad till his legs fell off. <laughs> his legs are never going to fall off, can, Paul, ever. Here's how I feel about that. He can play any position saying striker center back goalie better than three-fourths of the world that's how i feel about him and his play has gotten exponentially better since he joined twitter (laughs) and instagram for that matter all right (laughs) and and that's totally totally fine i mean paul has more knowledge than i do here in the footy so i will just fall back on whatever paul says okay well that's weak uh oh shut up jimmy (laughs) (laughs) except lalana yeah yeah don't patronize me yeah i missed you paul you guys are cute. You're right. <laughs> get, get a room already. Um, <laughs> attackers. This is the candy, right? Uh, this is where the goals came from and the performance top to bottom. Mane, Firmino. Mane, I thought, had an incredible game. Didn't find the back of the net. But talk about his composure as a professional in an away match. Super important away match. When you had the goalkeeper that he had put a boot to. Yep, yep pushing him around, didn't react, didn't react to any of the fouls. Like, I, Paul, that was some some professional out of Mane. Yeah, so the knock on Mane coming into out of the Southampton team was that he's a moody, temperamental player who shows up for big games, has a tendency to disappear in other matches. 
I haven't seen that yet. I mean, I think um, for me, I think he seems like a very humble player. I mean, we talk about him mimicking goal celebrations, which is sort of hilarious in itself. But um, I think for the most part, he's a pretty uh, humble dude in the way that he's presented himself. I think, honestly, he kept his cool pretty well. Um, I think part of that was that he was probably shitting his pants about getting a red card. Um, but yeah, um, yes. Either that or staring at Ederson's grill, um, whatever, whatever the case may have been. But I, yeah, I thought he, I thought he, he kept it together pretty well. I was also very happy at the reaction from Liverpool, the team itself, in terms of separating the situation. It's very easy for one guy to come in and escalate that situation. So I was happy the way that we held on to sort of. Um, our cool and composure in that in that sort of instance when any and when everything was essentially going against us, um, and I think he settled a little bit. You know, he got better as the match went on. Um, you know, he's quietly put together a really nice year. A lot of people think it's a down year. He hasn't played as well as he did last year. He's quietly put together a really really nice year. He honestly, you know, he had the move for the first goal that Salah picked up and basically mm-hmm. put it in. Um, so, I mean, he's still, uh, he's still a very, very big part of what we did and he was today as well. Yeah, yeah but- I know. I, I can agree. Sorry to have to, to intercut here, but I, I can agree with everything that Paul just said. I mean, I, I think <laughs> that he was very, very afraid that he was going to get a red card. And I, I, especially with this ref who, who was very card happy, just giving it away, um, to every single player for anything that they did. I was surprised that he did not give him a red card for that. So I think when, when 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 he when he uh, stuck his boot into uh, Automate's chest and you know I think that he had flashes of here comes another red at City uh, here comes the goalkeeper like like you said Jeff that I stuck a boot in his face and I gen- I generally think that he felt bad for those incidents that he had if you look at the replay it looks as though he tries to like stop his his movement forward and he slips and he just ends up sticking the boot in his chest anyway. Um, so I think he was scared. I think the rest of the Liverpool uh, players were also scared. They're like, oh, crap. Now we're going to go down the player. Um, but definitely kept this cool. And then, again, after that onslaught in the first half, him in the rest of the front three alongside the midfield just really took it to Man City. I could talk about that all day. I mean, that that keeper was just as close as Mane to being sent off and having Bravo finish the rest of the game and <laughs> maybe having this be even uglier than it was. Any so, other player you think would like fall in once Ederson headbutts you more than once? Because he went and he headbutted him two or three times, and, and well, he was just pushing him, pushing him. Yeah. And it was dumb. Um, why don't we turn to the fun part, which is how Salah's goal developed? So Genie puts a move on Jesus. I thought that was great. It was emblematic of the value of him in that role in this match for me. He gets the ball to Ox. Ox gives a brilliant ball forward to Mo. Mo to Mane, Mane into the six-yard box, goes down with Fernandinho on his back, like riding him, you know, with the lasso. Mm. No pen, but no problem. Salah always in no the right problem. place. Salah always in the right place at the right time, puts it in. Like, you, you can't teach that, Paul. I'm a broken record. A lot of this stuff strikes me as very Dirk Cat-esque, right? I mean, I don't think there's necessarily mm. the biggest amount of quality in some of these goals. He has hit some sort of wondrous left-footed goals from that wing, but primarily and most of his stuff comes from just being in very, very intelligent positions, making 80-yard runs that nobody else would make. Um, and like credit to him. I mean, he's 
he's single-handedly put together a record-breaking year um, just on sheer effort, willpower, and intelligence. I love it. I love it for the fact that, uh, you know, he basically was ridden out of Chelsea in tears. Uh, Mourinho basically broke him down in the dressing room in front of that entire team and reduced him to a, a basically a pile of rubble. He got shipped out, rebuilt himself in Italy, and came back, and this is who he is. I mean, I don't think we in a million years could have thought that that's what we were getting or that's what he would become um i love it i think he's a very different player i mean i think his mentality is very different in terms of his actual makeup as a human being and what he's been through um and like this is just we talked about the fabric of this liverpool team writing its own chapter in its own history and i think that he's like the perfect sort of uh, character to sort of lead this thing um, in terms of the front end, you know, in terms of how he, he presents himself and how he works. It's, it's Liverpool through and through, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, we could go on and on about Salah. I mean, his, his posture to the supporters, the away supporters that were clearly the loudest in the stadium. I love that. Wish I was there uh, with his, you know, kind of arms back and sort of Jesus posts. Great. But Let's move on to Bobby's goal, because, I mean, my God. So this is how this developed. Carius to Bobby, Bobby and Kyle Walker kind of, you know, dueling on on the header. Bobby wins the header. Ball falls to Otamendi. And this singular moment, if if Chiche's watching, because I know Canary and Blue supporters are are listening, because you're on. Um, (laughs) If Chiche's watching... This defines the value of Bobby and Klopp's system and, and what he could mean, I think, to the Brazilian national team. Chase would disagree. You might disagree. But uh, no, he, I don't think it's, it's Chase or Jimmy disagreeing. I think it's Chiche disagreeing, but for different reasons. But continue. But he steals the ball right off Otamendi, finishes it cool as you like into the far right corner. 2-1, game over. In the 76th minute, like, I mean... Brazilian national team would benefit from that, would they not? Well, and you know, we've ad nauseum talked about this on the Slack channel, Jeff. It's just unfortunate that Firmino has not taken his opportunities on the national squad, uh, missing an open goal, not playing well because he's not a super sub, so he comes off of the the bench and doesn't have an impact. And would you have Gabriel Jesus knocking in goals for the national team like no other? That's the reason he's not starting. Not taking anything, his ability away from him, though, because that goal is is a total Liverpool Klopp goal, Firmino goal. He, he, in my opinion, he doesn't have the fastest acceleration, but he's one of the best pressers in the game, and you could see it by that. I mean, the that duel that they had, not only after the header, but kind of like looking at each other to see what are you going to do next. Like Firmino didn't stand down, stuck his leg out, took the ball away, and then had the confidence to slide in in in, in second post off the post. Fantastic goal. But, I mean, that's a d- another discussion for another time. Firmino, fantastic today. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, just like he is in every match, he's very integral to, to Klopp's team. Absolutely. And, and he is a machine, kind of like a lot of the, uh, Kel, practically everybody on this, on this 11, a machine. But did you see him track back? It was like a couple minutes before of his, course, his no. goal. In the first half, he was tracked, also... No, but he tracked De Bruyne back all yeah. the way, all the oh, way yeah. to his own penalty area. Then... Back, well, well, back my, again. My favorite part about that, though, was in the first half, he I, he fouled him. I think he got a yellow for that, if I remember correctly, in the first half. He tracked back Ke- uh, Kevin De Bruyne, got, got a foul, and then when he did it again in the second half, he learned from his mistake and took the ball away cleanly. And like you said, not only did he take the ball away, he ran back into the front three. Work rate is fantastic. He's great for this squad. Absolutely. Oh. Okay. Enough said on that. <laughs> this could go all day. So why don't we finish putting a finer point on the two managers? And I'm going to let Jimmy take Pep and we'll say Paul 
you can take Klopp. How would you assess both managers going into this? Well, I mean, it, obviously it, the result is what it is, it, but uh, yeah, if you don't mind me going first, Paul, um, <laughs> cause I already went anyway, uh, Pep, Pep, I think was not very confident, which is why, um, I think he changed the way that he played, you know, in the first half and uh, first half, sorry, the first leg, which is technically the first half. The fact that he changed the starting 11, he didn't want to put Sterling out there. He was afraid he was trying to protect his players. He was playing, in my opinion, I think he was trying to be conservative and maybe squeezing the way goal and then come back and winning at home. Um, I, he just got out coached. Um, Klopp believed in his system. Klopp did what he needed to do. I think Pep just, I, he was, he, he was afraid if, if that's, that's what I honestly think. Um, I just finished reading, um, Ralph Hornstein's book, Das Football, which is, I think the book prior to, to the Klopp one, uh, where he mentioned that, that Pep once said that his biggest fuck up in his career was at Bayern. I think it was against Real Madrid in the second leg. Uh, I don't remember if it was quarter semifinals where he allowed his players play with emotion at home, right? And then Real Madrid just picked them off um, for, for that second leg and scored like two or three goals or three or four goals, whatever it was. And I think he, he, he wasn't confident in what, what he wanted to do in his gameplay, and it showed. I mean, you had a very super confident club do what he needed to do, and I'll let Paul take over from there. <laughs> well, Paul, I mean, a lot of people say Klopp just has Pep's number, and that's you know the simplest explanation between the two. But it's not. But I, right, exactly. It's, it's layers of gray, of course. How do you see it? Yeah, so, I mean, we concentrate so much on Klopp's personality that I think the genius of this is I don't really know how adept Klopp is tactically. I mean, he brings his, he brought the brain from this Dortmund team who is apparently one of the, the biggest sort of tactical geniuses in the world in terms of football knew us and really the sort of, uh, the supposed to be the brain behind everything. Um, I don't know how much of that is true and how much like Klopp is just there to sort of implement and help or not. I don't, I, I so I don't like in terms, I don't know how good of a, a an adjustment maker Klopp is, but what I do know happened today is they survived till halftime and then they did exactly what you need to do to break down that 3-3-4, which is you have to get those seven committed bodies from City that are sitting in your half back towards the halfway line. And they did that by when they counterattacking, they actually slowed their counterattacking down so that we got bodies forward um, instead of just having one or two, like, you know, popping it out to Salah. And then Salah hoping Firmino was making a back post run. Um, they slowed it down so that we got bodies back. And it forced City to bring uh, those attacking players back with them. Um, to defend and that's what killed that thing off that's what really swung the momentum um, and then of course we got that you know a couple bounces our way good passing you know uh, Salah puts that thing in the 56th minute and it's a it's a completely different game right mm. so um, I think for for essentially the first sort of uh, 11 minutes he really deconstructed that thing um, in a way that I thought was really really intelligent um and i'm just a dude on a couch um that wears t-shirts and no pants so um I don't right know. now like do we have to worry about that you don't have to worry about anything we're we're on the phone okay okay good good yeah no, it's no, not video, no video call it's uh, not video chat so you're fair fine enough, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so okay oh, uh shit. yeah i mean <laughs> don't even want to know what that was uh so club the way he obviously had pep wired for the, this set of ties we now get to see him up a level, right? He's going to take this show on the road. I mean, literally on the road, but outside of England, thank God. You've got Roma, you've got Real Madrid, Juve. How do you think Klopp, you know, let's just kind of speculate for a minute or two. 
Liverpool get the semifinal draw, and it's one of these three teams. Like, who do you think we match up best with between Roma, Real Madrid? Like, Roma, first of all, what, what a surprise. Uh, Real Madrid or, or Juve, Paul? I mean, I think the best matchup is Roma for the simple fact that besides today, they don't score goals. They scored, uh, they scored essentially 12 goal, goals in Champions League play until today, before today's match, and six of them came versus Chelsea. So, um, I mean, if you look at them and the way they're built, they just don't score goals. They're uh, the, now the, the flip side of that is they haven't conceded a goal at home during Champions League, right? But I think that bodes well for us. I mean, we're we're pretty adept at breaking teams down. I'll take the defensive team versus the offensive team any day. Um, right now in this sort of side, um, I think it's a team. The only my only worry with Roma is that they do have height up front. Um, so if you concede set pieces, that may be a problem. But Lovren and VVD have been dominant in the air right now. Um, I think that's the team that we sort of match up best with right now. And we're going to get into this much more, but uh, you know, there's some part of me that wants to see us dethrone the the champion Madrid. I want to see us beat the best, beat Ronaldo at home. <laughs> uh, but you never know how these things are going to shake out. Why don't we just take a second on Bayern and, and Sevilla? You know, those are two that are going to shake out tomorrow. Jimmy, like, which of those two teams would you rather face? And I. I th- think i know your answer oh it's pick your poison right with that i mean it's you know the the history that that we've had with sevilla is is just so disheartening um and you know right now they're seventh in the league the 24 points away from fourth uh, with only 46 points um they're going to put everything into these ties because they're going to be in the europa league if they're lucky or unlucky if you want to think about it that way next season uh and and Bayern is like madrid right i mean the only thing i could say about Bayern is um they are so far ahead in first in in their domestic league that maybe just like man city um they have the league wrapped up you're not really playing intense matches until these rounds of the champions league is it possible to catch them flat-footed um the same i don't think can be said for roma uh roma is going to be playing they're still battling for fourth in, in their domestic league, they got Allison in, in goalkeeper, and, and I think that's a big deal. And, you know, I, I really don't think Juve is going to make it past. I think it's it, three three away goals. Uh, you, you don't have Dybala because he got a red. Uh, two yellows uh, equally in the red in the first leg. So they got one of their main striker, uh, their main goal scorers. I'm sorry, because I, th- I think he's a midfielder. Um, but Real Madrid also not having the best of seasons in their domestic league. But you're not going to... They're gonna. They, they they've been champions for a reason for the, for the past couple of seasons in the Champions League. They know how to get through these rounds. I I'd rather see a Madrid in the final than I would in the semis. I'm afraid that what's going to happen to Liverpool is if they have too many stacked opponents in the quarterfinals and the semifinals, it's just like they're going to be like dead for the final. But I'm not. You know, I'm not exactly. I could be completely wrong. Maybe that's what hypes them up. You know, but just, I'm afraid of of like the Europa League run. I mean, you had this amazing quarterfinal. You had this unmemorable semis, and then you lost against Sevilla. And I think the semis was against Villarreal. It was just. It, I, I'm afraid that you're just going to beat your best opponent now, and then you're just going to be wasted when you come to the final. That's what I'm afraid of. That I think is old Liverpool. It's not necessarily this team. It was Klopp Liverpool. I, Klopp Liverpool with Brennan's players, right? So uh, we could go 15 different ways from Sunday, and we will get into this more as we go forward. I'm sure we're going to have a few Champions League once the draw comes out, um, some specials kind of talking through who we're going to be matched up against, how well we match up against them. You got a little preview of it here. But thank you all for joining tonight. I think we're going to end it there. Uh, 
just a phenomenal result. Liverpool, 5-1 on the aggregate, 2-1 on the day, through to the semifinals for the first time since 08. And I don't know what to do with myself still, even after this pod. Edit. Uh, edit. That's what you're going to do. Best day ever. Best day ever. I'm not <laughs> editing this part On out. the bench looking like someone stole his girlfriend. We got... <laughs> You know, Barcelona fans crying. We got Sterling sitting there going off after the game in tears. It was an amazing day. Are you kidding me? I found out how petty I am today. That's good. (laughs) The smuggest one of us all. But it's because we believed, isn't it? Oh, God. I don't give a shit. I'm so happy. Are you kidding me? I'm so happy. It's just, it, it, it's like, like I said, every wrong in the world I feel like was righted today in 90 minutes. Yep. Amazing. Yeah, but Steve, that's a problem, Paul. It's only the quarterfinals. And so I don't want you I don't feeling care. I'm still going to enjoy it. No, right? no, enjoy it. Enjoy Coutinho it. Definitely. Coutinho can suck it. Sterling can suck it. All these best. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I keep mean, going. I, we got time. No, for real. I mean, for me, it's great because, I mean, yes, this is a yes. team that deserves everything they got together. Since Coutinho's left, I think the front three has put together like 33-plus goals or something insane mm-hmm. like that um, together. So, I mean, I'm just – I'm so happy um, as a supporter, but I'm really happy about this team and the way they did it too. Yep. Unrequited love since 13 or 14. You, you remember 13, 14. We all can't forget it. And it's still going. And there's more to come. And I can't wait to talk about it. How can we find you, Mr. Tory Hone, on the Twitter? On the Twitter, uh, my Twitter handle is uh, jtorrejonr uh, underscore fp. And since you mentioned it, um, I do co-host Canary in Blue with our friend of the pod Chase, and you can find our Twitter at Canary in Blue FP. Yeah, and if listeners haven't listened to the Ronaldinho retrospective, highly recommend it. Still, it's a timeless piece. You can still listen to it. I listen to it once a week. Probably. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, of course. And there's more coming. And Paul, uh, I think you alluded to a rest stop bathroom the last time we were on. Like uh, <laughs> Twitter, not exactly for you, but I think that's where you can find me, Jeff. <laughs> In the middle of the night, <laughs> under a bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's when it's rainy. <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah, like I'm. I'm on Facebook, Paul Bickler, B as in boy, I C K L E R, um, which. If you're in middle school, turns into Dickler, um, but that's neither here nor there. You can find me on there. I'm not the Paul Bickler from Indiana. It's a North Carolina (laughs) one. Um, I have a Twitter handle name, I guess, but I don't remember it, and I'm never on Twitter. Let me help you. I mean, I read Twitter, but I don't actually put anything on there. Let me Um, let me help you. It's P Bickler. Okay, there it is. All right. So you can get on there and follow me and see absolutely nothing come through. Yeah, but Um, but but yeah, I should have asked myself the question. Yeah, that's fine. Um, And I'm Jeff underscore Hallett with two L's and two T's. I thank everybody for listening and for the Liverpool for the result today. Uh, Just majesty. We'll check you out on the next talk on. Till then, talk on, Jimmy. Talk on. Talk on. Talk on.